There's a traditional Easter greeting um, that Christians have used for hundreds of years, actually, um, where someone will see someone on Easter morning and they will say, he is risen, and the people will respond, he is risen indeed. Now, now, a lot of you get that. The good Lutherans all here get it. Um, good job. By the way, at 7 a.m., you look amazing. Can I just say, way to go for all of the farmers and people who love Jesus who are here. I just want to say thank you. And the thing about the greeting is a lot of people don't do it. So every now and again, you go up to someone who doesn't know it and you say, hey, he's risen. They go, yeah, you know. <laughs> so it's a little awkward. You never know who to do it to. So last year, we instituted a new tradition here at Jacob's Well where we were going to move the tradition into the vernacular of the local people. So when we say here at Jacob's Well, he is risen, the response we would like to read back is, yeah, sure, you betcha. So let's go ahead and try that. He is risen. Yeah, sure, you betcha. Okay, new tradition at Jacob's Well, second year running. I don't know about you, but I fell in love with Jesus. I fell in love with Jesus twice. I fell in love with Jesus as a young man because he saved me. I mean, he saved me. I, I, was, I was selfish. I was full of anger and lust and greed. I was full of insecurity. I hurt people and used people, and I was on a track to spend my entire life doing that. What was worse is I went to church all the time. I was religious on top of it, so I was a hypocrite. I was a person who had the appearance of godliness but denied the power in it. And here's what happened. While I was still a sinner, while I was an enemy of God, when I slapped him in the face, when I mocked his name, when in my heart and in my actions I cried out, crucify him, Christ Jesus died for me. And when I understood that, when he broke through my pride and my arrogance and brought me to a point of humility and showed me the point that my life was not working. No matter how much religion I used to, to God it up, no matter how much self-effort, no matter what image I put forward, no matter how many people thought I was great, I knew what was going on in my heart. I knew there was a God-shaped hole in my heart. And so when I opened my life up to Jesus Christ and I recognized it's not what I do, it's what he did, when I recognized the change that he was going to call for begins not with my effort, but with surrender to what he did for me on the cross. Well, I, I, I opened my life to that. It blew away religion. It blew away self-effort. And it brought me to a point of reckless abandon and following Jesus. And I fell in love with him. Because what I experienced is new focus, new meaning, the beginning of transformation that has gone on, is going on, is going to continue going. I, I learned the power of love, and I learned what life was all about. I not only became included in this thing of forgiveness, I became a child of God. I became a son and daughter of God. And when all of that happened, I fell in love with Jesus. Have you fallen in love with Jesus? Have you reached a point in your life you realize that you were if you are without God, you are without hope. And that the only path to God, the only proven path, and the resurrection testifies of this, the only path of God that we know of is Jesus Christ. So I fell in love with Jesus. I fell in love with Jesus a second time. This was later, after I'd been following Jesus for a while, and I actually had become a pastor. It's when I started looking at what Jesus taught, 
but he taught about the way I was supposed to live in response to this incredible gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. I fell in love because in his teaching was a vision for the kind of person I could be, the kind of life I could live. It was a vision for a life of meaning and purpose unlike anything I could imagine. I fell in love with Jesus because he showed me what he was trying to do. You see, here's the deal. When Jesus saved me, he also sent his spirit and started working on me. He started working to change me, and he made this promise. He said, that work which I began in you, I'm going to continually be working on and carry out until it is fulfilled in Christ Jesus. And you know what his vision is for me? His vision is that I will be like Jesus. Is that the teaching that Jesus Gave would be so lived out that it would, it would result in me being like Jesus Christ. Because here's the deal about Jesus. Jesus was truly wise. So, so here's what we think about wisdom. Wisdom is knowing a bunch of stuff. It's knowing the right answer. It's getting good grades on tests. It, it's, it's having, you know, been educated. Okay, it's what we know. For Jesus, wisdom is what you do. It doesn't matter what you know if it doesn't reach what you do. And so wisdom was Jesus doing love, Jesus bringing love. And, and when you look at what Jesus taught, the thing that should amaze us is not that it's just a stunning, incredible vision of who we could be and that it's the, by far the most superior moral ethic about what should be. The thing should stun us about the teaching of Jesus is that he did exactly what he said we should do. He lived it out every day. And when I saw that in Jesus, I just fell in love with him. Let me give you a couple of examples. It said, Jesus said, turn the other cheek. And on Good Friday, we remember that they spit in his face and they slapped him and they beat him and they, they tortured him. And he, you know, was not powerless to resist I mean, the scriptures are very clear. Jesus is very clear. He says, at any time, I call 10,000 angels, and they could come, and they could slap right back. Okay, I'm God Almighty. But meekness, which is not weakness, meekness is power under control to be used to serve and sacrifice for the common good. Meekness shows this is what love looks like. He said, if someone makes you go a mile, go an extra mile. Jesus went an extra mile. He went the extra mile all the way up to Calvary. And they nailed him on a cross, not because of anything he did, but because of what I did and what you did to carry the sins on the world. And through service and sacrifice, he lived out his teaching. Now, perhaps the best known teaching of Jesus that we all say, that is so noble. But for Jesus, it wasn't about some noble sentiment. It was who he was and how he lives. It's this thing of loving your enemies. He says, you have heard it said. Now, you remember, all of us, we've been through the Sermon on the Mount here at Jacob's Well recently, and we remember that, that, that formula for this part of the Sermon on the Mount where he would say, you have heard it said, but I said. You have heard it said, but I say. And so the whole world says this. All the people say this, including the religious people say this. He says, but I'm trying to say something different. I'm going to move a cold rule from 
a, a, a rock of stone carved into stone, and I'm going to move it to your heart. And, and this is the ultimate example of the heart transformation that Jesus calls his followers to, that he lived out on the cross. He says, you have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor. And that's one of the things. You love your neighbor as yourself. you got a neighbor, good neighbor. you got an interest in loving your neighbor. If you love them, maybe they will keep their dog out of your yard, whatever the deal is. You had some reason to love your neighbor. And Jesus said, you've heard that says, he says, and hate your enemy. And so you, you look and you realize if someone hurts you, you hurt them back, you protect, you law and order, all those kinds of things like that. You love your neighbor, you hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Love your enemies. And this is exactly what Jesus did. You know what Jesus did on the cross? He loved me. While I was still a sinner, while I was an enemy of God, while I was in rebellion, when I was saying to God, I don't need you, I'm doing fine without you, my life's a a tragedy and empty and angry and bitter, but I'd just as soon live my life without you than with you. While I was still doing that, when I was an enemy of God, he died for me. He He says, love your enemies, okay, and pray for those who persecute you. This is exactly what Jesus did who on the cross prayed, Father, forgive them. They really don't understand what they're doing. They are lost in sin and ignorance and brokenness. And I would be completely justified, Father, just coming down from this cross and just abandoning them to their own devices, just leaving them on the path they're on, which is a path of destruction. But I pray that you forgive them. And, and, and listen, Jesus could pray that prayer because he was providing the very forgiveness we needed on the cross. And when you see that, that, that power, when you see that example, it should make you fall in love with Jesus all over again. Certainly because he saved you and I while we were still sinners, while we were enemies, while we were in rebellion. Even though there are times where I still rebel against him, he still loves me. And all of it made possible the cross. And we should, we should be inspired by that. We should come back and say, okay, if this is Jesus and he's my Lord, and, and this is the best way to live, because remember, the Sermon on the Mount starts with this, this, this assumption, this argument, this, this point where he says, you want to be blessed, you want to be fortunate, you want to be smart, you want to have a living, meaningful life, well, live like me. And what that looks like is you you. Love your enemies. You pray for those who persecute you. That's why when Jesus said on the cross, Father, forgive me, forgive them for they know what they do. I mean, it's got to stop us in our tracks. Not only that he prayed that for us, but it changes the way we have to look at every person. You see, here's one of the big things that we just need to rediscover about what it means to be a Christian. When you become a follower of Jesus Christ and you say, Jesus, you are my Lord, and whatever you ask the answer is yes. Well, then you give up the right to hate anyone. You give up the, the right to call anyone an enemy, okay? And you say, you don't understand these people are evil, they're terrible things. Well, then you pray for them. You don't understand they're working for our destruction. Well, then you try to find a way to work for their good. And you find a way to live the example of Jesus on the cross. It, it, it causes you to say, because here's what will happen. When you live like that, you will become something amazing. If you go the other way, by the way, and you say, you know what? I'm going to hate man. I'm going to get revenge. I'm going to, I'm going to fight fire with fire, as it were. 
You become something small. You become something broken. You become as broken as they do. When you take their eye because they took your eye, well, the whole world's blind and, and you're broken. But when you embrace the way of Jesus, embrace crazy, irrational, unbelievable, unconditional love for those who deserve at least in your life, well, you become something amazing. You know what you become? You become children of the king. He says, love your enemies, do good to those who persecute you, so that you may be sons and daughters of your father who is in heaven, who makes his sun rise on evil and on good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do you not even the tax collectors, the worst sinners, do the same? And if you greet one another who's a brother, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? So he says, if you treat people good who treat you, if that's your standard, you're just like everybody else who doesn't know God. But the standard of Jesus is to go the extra mile, turn the other cheek, start with the log in your own eye, not demand an eye for an eye, but return hate, we return love. For those who persecute us and mock us, we say, how can I bless? How can I help them to see? How can I pray, Father, forgive them? They just don't know what they're doing. They are trapped in their sin and ignorance the way I was trapped in my sin and ignorance. How can I help set them free so they can be made new and transformed into something beautiful which will bring you more honor and glory, God? When that becomes your perspective, that changes you. That makes you into something truly beautiful. And, and, and so this is what Jesus calls us to. He goes on, this is my commandment. You know, at the beginning of this message, I said I love Jesus. But here's the deal. Jesus really made love, again, not something we feel, not some sentiment that we hold to, not some declaration we make. Love ultimately comes to what we do. Okay? Look what he says. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you, insert the cross here. As I have loved you, you're supposed to love each other with the same kind of service and sacrifice and love and mercy. You see, this is the vision Jesus would have for your life. This would make you an amazing person in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit, a good person from whom good things naturally flow. He says, um, um, if you have loved one another love, uh, as I have loved you, greater love has no one than this, that someone lays down his life for his friends. You are my friends. Look at this. If you do what I command. He says, if you embrace this thing of love, you become a son and daughter of God. You become a friend of God. There was a time when you were an alien and foreign, and now you are a child of God. There was a time when you were an enemy of God. Now you are a friend of God. This is what the cross is. This is what the resurrection. And, and that's what one of the things, and so many things we can say about the resurrection, but this is one of the things the resurrection does, is it's God's validation of Jesus' message and his work. It's God saying, you know what? This is what I'm talking about. This is the way I want you to be. Even though he was struck down, I'm going to rise it up. This is what a human being is supposed to be. This is the second Adam. This is the fulfillment of the promise. This is what I intended for Adam and even for all of you. And so I lift him up. I raise him up. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. This is what I'm talking about. This is what you should aspire to. This is what you should want to be. And when you, you see that and you realize that's what he's trying to make me, he's trying to make me something great and strong and beautiful and noble. 
something that loves justice and mercy and compassion and empathy, an incredible version of what I can be to the glory of God, and that's what Jesus wants for me, that's what he's working in me, well, then all of a sudden, Jesus becomes absolutely beautiful. You see, here's the questions we got to ask. we got to ask two questions here, just two simple next steps I want to ask you. The first question is this, are you an enemy of God or are you a friend of God? Are you an enemy of God or a friend of God? Maybe you're here, 7 o'clock in the morning, you have not yet figured out how you got in a church at 7 o'clock in the morning, other than mom said, you're going to come to church, right? She said, oh. So you're here. Or maybe, 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 I don't know how you got here, but you're here. And here today, the Spirit of God is teaching you and talking to you, and he is telling you right now, in the honesty of your heart, that you are at war with God. You are in rebellion to God. You have embraced sin and selfishness and smallness. That, that you are separated from God in your heart, in your life, and that you are reaping the fruit of that. That if you honestly look at the evidence of your life, it is characterized by things, by pettiness and smallness and, and impulses and being out of control and, and, and it can express itself in addiction or workaholism or whatever it is. But the truth is you're empty because you are an enemy of God. This Easter, I want to invite you to become a friend of God. You say, how do I do that? Well, you just simply embrace the gift. You just simply go to Christ on the cross and you say, I recognize that you died for my sins. I recognize that when you prayed on the cross, Father, forgive them, take out the word them and insert your name. And Jesus, you have asked that I be forgiven. Jesus, I receive your forgiveness and I ask you to come in my life. I wanna follow you, I wanna be like you. I want to be a friend of God. And more than that, Jesus, just imagine Jesus coming down from the cross, the resurrected Christ, taking you by the hand, and he leads you by the hand, and he brings you to the Father, and he says, Father, this is one of mine. This is one who's put their faith and trust in me, and my righteousness is now given to them as a gift. Father, forgive this one. Didn't know what they were doing, but they're here now. And the father comes down from the throne and he embraces you and he welcomes you into his family. And he says, welcome, welcome my child. So become a friend of God. The second thing I just want to challenge you to do is renew a radical commitment to love like Jesus. Make a radical commitment to come back to King Jesus and say, Jesus, I have not loved my enemies. I, 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 some, I talk myself into vindictiveness and anger you know, I have not prayed for those who persecute me, those ones who are attacking our faith and our culture and all the different things that are happening. And my response is to be able to attack right back, is to get angry. And, and instead, what does it look like to continue to be a blessing to friends and family in this world? What does it look like to have that kind of costly love? There are times it feels like a crucifixion, feels like something's dying inside of me, but I choose the way of love. It looks like extending forgiveness to that one who the Holy Spirit at this moment is convicting you that you have not forgiven, okay? It doesn't mean that they're a dangerous person. You necessarily let them back in your life, but it does mean you start praying for them. You start saying, they have been my enemy, and I pray for them. It starts saying, I bless them, and I want to do the things to bless them. That is when we become children of God. That is the salt and light that the world is waiting to see in this world. I mean, we see examples. You see, Ultimately, love for Jesus is about service and sacrifice. And isn't there something just profound about sacrifice? I mean, isn't there something deep and abiding and profound about sacrifice? You may not have heard, but even this weekend, there were two police officers 
killed in the line of duty in Chitek, from Chitek and Cameron. We know very few details other than these ones who were making a traffic stop who were there to serve and protect, were given the ultimate, gave the ultimate sacrifice, and in the midst of that, we are all stopped, and we can't even put it into words, but that's a sacrifice, and there's something about sacrifice that, that looks like love, that looks like service, that goes to another level of beauty and nobility. See, that's the picture. It's a parent who makes incredible sacrifices for kids and recognizes they do it for love. It's the teacher in the classroom who goes and works and sacrifices. It's the boss who doesn't take a raise because the employees need this. It's the sacrifice that comes across in all the different ways where we say, what does love look like in this situation? What does it look like to bless? And there's something beautiful about sacrifice. You become something significant when you choose that way, when the cost is high, and the higher the cost, the more glory comes to God. And so when you see your life like that, in light of the cross, in light of the resurrection, Easter becomes more than just a day to cheer and celebrate, and we get to go to heaven someday. Easter informs the way we live every day, because we do understand that as followers of Christ, we will be resurrected, and we will stand before the Father, and those ones who have lived like Jesus, who have taken his teaching seriously, who have aspired to be like him, will be greeted by the Father with good, welcome, good, and faithful servant, enter into your rest. You've lived like my son. Your faith was made manifest and proved genuine and made evident by how you lived and how you loved. And so this Easter, two challenges. Become a friend of God and live the love of Jesus Christ. So what I want to do is I want to end my time with a prayer. And my prayer is for anyone here today who recognizes your life is just on the wrong track. It's going down the wrong road. It's leading to a place I know it's going to lead to destruction. And by the way, it doesn't matter how you feel about that. It doesn't matter if you want it to lead someplace else. The wages of sin is always death. Okay? There is a wide road, which a lot of people find. It starts easy, gets hard. He says it leads to destruction. He said, but there's a narrow road. This narrow road of Jesus, he says it starts hard, but this one leads to life. And so this is you choosing to follow Jesus Christ, to turn away from your sin and embrace the gift of the cross. Well, you let my words be your words and let my prayer be your heart prayer even as we pray together. God, I, I admit it. I have been in rebellion. I have been an enemy of God. The truth is what's really in my heart is selfishness, is pettiness, is fear, is anger, is greed, is lust, is every bit of those things. I am about me, and it has left me empty, it has left me void, it has put me on a path of destruction, and I see it, and I just begin by confessing it and admitting it. I have sinned, and I desperately, deeply need you. I need you to come and forgive my sins. I received the prayer of Jesus on the cross when he said, Father, forgive me, Will you forgive me, Father? Lord Jesus, will you come into my life through the person of the Holy Spirit and begin to include me in God's family, begin to change me, begin to transform me? Lord Jesus, will you be my Lord and my Savior? And will you teach all of us here today how then we should live? What does love demand? What does service and sacrifice 
look like? What would we be? What would the world see if we took Jesus' teaching seriously? If we thought deeply in our relationship what it means to turn the other cheek, go the extra mile, to start with the log in my own eye, to love my enemies, and to good to those who persecute me, who mock me, who ridicule me. Lord Jesus, teach us what love looks like and make us champions of love, people of love, that we would be found sons and daughters of God. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.